Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. This is your host, Melvin. And today I sense higher than usual levels of energy in my always bubbly co-host, Shirin, or Aussie as we call her. Hey, Oz. Hi, Mel. I am super happy to be doing another exciting podcast with you today. Our guest is someone who I'm pretty sure everyone in the UAE knows, or at least knows her by voice. She's there with each one of us who is stuck in weekday morning traffic. She's also the one who fills us in on all the hot gossip happening around the world. Have you guys figured it out yet? She also has a very famous tagline, which possibly involves fries. I'm sure you guys have guessed it. And I'm super delighted to bring to you today, Pretty Malik, the positively bubbly and down-to-earth co-host of the Chris Fate Show on The Virgin Radio, Dubai. Pretty, welcome. It's so lovely to have you here with us today. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. Preeti, while most of our audiences know you, I think everyone would be interested to hear you narrate your own story. So could you please introduce yourself and give us a quick recap on your background and your life here in the UAE? So my name is Preeti Malik. I have been with Virgin Radio since August 2008. So it's going to be 13 years, which is insane. I am born and raised in New York City to very Indian Desi parents. And I'm just as Desi as you can imagine. Sometimes people are surprised to hear that I was actually born and raised in the US. But I studied broadcast journalism in college and I moved here when I was 22 to Dubai. And I thought I'd be here for a year. And here I am 13 years later. I feel like that's the story of every expat that we've ever spoken to. (laughs) Yeah. I started telling people who move here and they're like new to Dubai and they're like, yeah, I'm planning on being here for like a year or two. I'm like, do you have an exit plan? And they're like, no, I'm good luck. I'll see you in six years. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't know this personally, but I saw that you had wanted to become a lawyer originally. That was your plan. So how did that storyline change for you? I think... As any South Asian kid, you tend to kind of think of the same types of career paths. And I feel like it's ingrained. My parents are definitely not your typical South Asian parents in that way. Like they didn't really push hard on academics and things like that. They were really chill with what we kind of wanted to do and explore. Most of my family are actually in the medical field and or they're in computers. Those are the two paths. There's really no one who's doing anything else. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to go to med school. And there's no way I want to be in the whole tech computer situation, science situation. So I was like, well, what do I like to do? I like to talk. I talk all the time. I constantly am yabbering away. I will try to win an argument, whatever it is. So I was like, okay, logical step law. Because that's the only thing that I thought that I could possibly do. I really didn't know anything else. You know, when you talk about a light bulb moment, I had a real life light bulb switch moment. And it happened when I was in high school. I was probably about 16 years old, 16 or 17 or so, probably 16. Growing up in New York City, obviously very close to Times Square. At the time, MTV used to have this show called Total Request Live. And basically, it was like a live countdown. And you could stand outside the MTV studios and look up. And sometimes the VJs or artists would come down, whatever. So I was downstairs on the sidewalk. It was like a half day from school. I went with my friends. And one of the VJs, whose name is Hillary Burton, she's an actress as well. She plays 
Peyton on One Tree Hill. She came down and she did like a live link in front of me on camera. And everything changed in that moment. I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I need to be doing. I need to be in front of a camera. I need to be in front of a microphone. And that's when I decided to switch to broadcast. Let's jump into your career. You're incredibly popular and successful over here in the UAE, in the region, in fact. But this wasn't your first rodeo in the world of entertainment. So tell us a little bit about your previous experience. Well, you know what? This may seem as a surprise, but my radio career started back when I was about seven or eight years old. I used to make these cassette tapes with my friend and my name was Pop Breathy and we had a, a fake countdown, like trying to tell my parents to find these cassettes somewhere. But we had a top 10 Bollywood song countdown where we talked about the latest gossip and movies surrounding those actors and actresses that were in the movies. And we would count on the show. And that was my pretend show. But my real radio career started when I was in high school, my senior year of high school. My high school, I was fortunate enough to have an internship program within our school. And basically the last semester, the last few months, of your high school career, you were allowed to work at an internship full-time nine to five. I got placed at a radio station in New York City called WPLJ, which is now defunct, but it used to be a radio station there, a big one. And I became a prize intern. Basically, my job was to clean the prize closet every day, call every single prize winner by hand every single day. There was no like computer system. Everyone used to write out all the prize winners details and we would call them and make sure they were there to pick up their tickets. I would go out and promote the radio station. We're part of like the promo team. And that was like my first taste of radio. And I worked very closely with a lot of the on-air presenters, the RJs. And I would just watch them in action. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And at that point, I knew already that I was going to my university to study broadcast journalism. So my radio career, my broadcast career kind of started in high school. And then while I was in college, we had a campus radio station that wasn't just for the campus, but actually broadcast to the town. So it was an actual community radio station that had a functioning program director that had to have donors that basically hired you, right? But it was part of the school. So it kind of worked. That was my second taste of radio. And I learned everything there is to know about radio there, how to deliver a news report, how to run the board, the technical side of things, how to edit. And then in my college classes in broadcasting, we used to do a five-minute live newscast for the campus every single day. So I learned how to produce, how to edit, how to run a teleprompter, how to produce the entire thing, how to write all the articles. Like we learned everything from A to Z, A to Z within my college career. And while I was in college, I also interned at a network in the States called ABC for a program called 2020, which is like a news payment type of program. So I had a lot of experience under my belt at a younger age, which I'm always going to be grateful to for my school, my high school and my university. And then when I got out of college, I kind of took a little break for a few months because I hate saying it, but I worked really hard. So I was like, I need a few months to just de-stress and relax myself because I really did bust my chops. After that, the job hunt began. Now, the greatest thing about living and growing up in New York City is it's the number one place. It's like a media hub, right? But who's going to hire a 22-year-old kid straight out of college. These people work 20 years to get to New York City. That found it a bit of a challenge. And I ended up, I had some connections because I've lived there all my life. Um, I had some connections and I ended up working at a Punjabi channel in New York City. It was newly launched. My Punjabi is horrible, but it was brand new and they kind of gave me the reins. And I ran a live 
newscast by myself every day, taking callers, running my own script, doing my own graphics, my own teleprompter. And then I got the job to Dubai and then I just kind of moved. And that was that. Before we dive into the next question, how do we get our hands on those early cassettes of uh, yours? I know. I need to find... I've been telling my parents, I'm like, where are those tapes? My parents' house is like a treasure chest. Things are hidden in places. So I am going to eventually find it one day and I promise you, you will hear it on the radio. I just need to find like a cassette converter, which I'm sure I'll find here somewhere. But I need to find it because I was just thinking about it the other day. Like Pop Freepy, that was my name. Who knew? Okay, so we called dibs on uh, airing that first. Sure. You got it. So pretty. does radio in the States differ much from the radio here? If so, how? Well, I think the difference in radio, I think in any country compared to here is you are all from different backgrounds. I mean, it's like that in New York City. I mean, everyone is from everywhere. Like every single nationality exists in New York City, right? But there's a single thread that combines everyone and that they're American. Or in India, you may be from different states, but let's say you're living in Mumbai. The one thing that ties everyone together is they are Indian at the end of the day. So I think the difference that comes here, and I think it's a positive in a way, is I can't just talk about things that are that are American or things that are Indian for that matter. I have to kind of open my eyes to what's happening in the UK, what's happening in South Africa, what's happening in Pakistan, what's happening in so many different places. And you become a bit more worldly, I think, when it comes to that. Other than that, our radio station, Virgin Radio, is a top 40 format, which is a format that exists literally in every single major city around the world. And we play the same music, we talk about the same entertainment stories. So in that vein, it's kind of the same. It's more about your audience that you just have to be a little bit more mindful of. You've already mentioned that even back in your high school days, you'd already dived into the gossip world. So now I want to know, how did you earn that Gossip Queen title and, and even scored your gossip segment on the show? Was that just something you wanted to do or did that happen by accident? I have always wanted to be... So when I was doing broadcast journalism. It was very newsy. Like obviously we had to learn how to do hard hitting journalism and get to the source and get to the stories. But I'll be very honest, I hated it. The times that I, when they gave us kind of free reign and they were like, Hey, you could write about whatever you want, whatever story or produce whatever you want. I would always be the one to do the entertainment stories or do the lighthearted stuff because that's just what I love diving into a good Kardashian story and bringing out receipts from 2008. But Kim Kardashian said this in 2004. I live for that stuff. So I was always up for it. The way that I became the gossip girl, I guess, is I joined, I don't know if I'm jumping here or not, but I joined the Arabian Radio Network, which is what Virgin Radio is under, where nine radio stations underneath that umbrella. I joined as a news presenter for the English language stations, which included Virgin Radio. So I wasn't on the Chris Bay show or with Chris or a full-time presenter on the station. I was actually a full-time newsreader. That's what I was hired for. And I used to do the news for Virgin. And very quickly, I became very friendly with all of the Virgin staff because they were new too. Virgin Radio launched in 2008, just a few months before I arrived. So everyone there was kind of new and I just got along with them because I was the new kid on the block too, right? And I started doing news for Virgin and they really liked my voice as the newsreader. So 
when Chris and Chad, I don't know if you guys remember, but Chris, you should do the show with a guy called Chad. Yeah. When they were doing, they started doing the morning show, they became the breakfast show. They requested that I do the news for them because they liked my voice. And I was always really friendly with Chris and Chad. And one day the person that they had to do their gossip on the phone was on vacation for about 45 days. So one day Chris was just like, Hey, you busy? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not busy. I'm here. What do you need? And he goes, can you come down? I just want you to do something for me. And he said, Hey, could you just do two gossip stories real quick? I want to do the segment. And it was instant chemistry. I started doing the gossip for them every single day. And that's how I became a part of their show. I just started doing the gossip. And then from the gossip, it became, hey, we really like your voice. Do you think you can be a part of this segment? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come downstairs from the newsroom and do this segment. And then it was like, hey, could you just be a part of the show in the background and we'll get you on to do the gossip, but you still do the news as well? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then from that, it became, hey, could you be my co-host? So I love that it was like gradual and, and you were very comfortable stepping into that role because you got to know them more and more through those different segments. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, you've kind of carved a niche for yourself, right, over there. I mean, the moment you say that Gossip Queen, I think the first name that pops into everyone's mind is you. So awesome. Well done over there. That's very, very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. And I like that you are so passionate about this whole gossip and the Kardashians and celebrities in general. So especially working on a show that is where the stars meet, right? You get to meet so many celebrities. Do you ever get starstruck? Is there a particular secret you have to staying collected and professional? I think it's kind of ingrained in us to be professional when you meet someone, but there's definitely, oh my God, this is happening. You're sitting next to Will Smith. Will Smith is giving you a kiss on the cheek. Hello, what? What is my life? But you just have to be cool, calm, and composed because at the end of the day, they are just people and they have a story to tell just like all of us. And I think they are so much more open and able to communicate and give more to their fans and their audience if we make them comfortable. If we're sitting there and just starstruck, they immediately kind of retract and they're like, okay, I'm going to go now. Have I ever been starstruck though? 150%. Like there's definitely been times where I've caught myself and I've been like, okay, be professional. Here we go. Do you remember who it was that you were starstruck by? So there was the time that I met Diljeet Dosanjh. Do you guys know who he is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm obsessed with Diljeet. He's the coolest dude ever. We knew the director, shout out David Zenny, he's awesome, of his music video here in Dubai. So he was, you want to come on set and meet him? And I was like, do I? This was not an interview, right? I'm just going to meet him. And I have never been so nervous in my life. I was like rocking back and forth when he came. I was like sweating. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. And then when I started talking to him, he was just the kindest, most humble human. And that conversation I will always remember. He was just one of the most nice, was just the nicest guy. The likes of the Will Smiths and the Ushers and the Kardashians and all these people, Priyanka Chopra, for example, you take a moment, you have a pinch me moment, but then you realize you got a job to do. So you have to push forward. So what do you do when your fans get starstruck with you? That is so weird. I don't know. Do I have fans? Like, I don't know. We're just people on the radio. I don't see it like that. It's really weird for me to think like that. I just love talking to people who listen to the show, whether you're a fan of my work or you're a fan of the station or you're a fan of Chris, Rossi, Brent, Maz, James, Sheena, like whoever it is, Eddie, Nella. Like, I just love 
meeting the people who listen to us because obviously we work in a radio station. So it's not like we get to see who's listening to us. It's always just fun and fascinating for me to hear who it is that listens. It's good to know. I'm going to stay with the Preeti outside of the Chris Fade show. Now, from everything that I've seen, we know you love dancing and are great at it too. Mm -hmm. So Thank you. how soon will we see you in a Bollywood or an Indian regional language movie? Well, you can go and watch Tiger Zindahe and uh, see my performance in that. Awesome, awesome. I didn't know that now. I played a news reporter in Tigers in the Head. So I'm there in a scene if you catch me. I'm in a few scenes, actually. I think I'm in three or four scenes total where they show me. And it was really fun to shoot that here. Rossi has a role as well. And Chris has a role as well. I had a speaking part. Yeah, it was really fun. Bring on Bollywood. If anyone is watching who has a Bollywood connection, I am down. I will dance. I will choreograph. I'll be the girl in the background. I will do anything. What are the chances of uh, you featuring in something in South India, let's say like in a Malayalam movie? I don't know if they want, I'm down to do anything, but I don't know if they want me because I can't speak the language. So if they can teach me how to say it all, I'm down. I've noticed that your videos with your mom-in-law are really, really popular on social media. Yeah. Uh, how much Malayalam have you picked up? None. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard language. It's such a difficult language to get a grasp on. Also because it's so different from Hindi. There's no similarity between the North and the South Indian languages. The words are just so different. Usually when it comes to like Gujarati or Sindhi or anything like that, I can pick up and understand what's going on because there's similarities in the words and the grammar and the structure and the accent. But with Malayalam, there's literally no word that I have found yet that is the same. Okay. I think there are quite a few similarities because I think the base language for both would be Sanskrit. It's just that the way it's pronounced may just make it sound completely different. Yeah, I think it's one of the toughest languages to learn. Isn't Malayalam a Dravidian language? Isn't Malayalam a Dravidian language? Oh, is it, I thought it was, you know, it had the same base as uh, Hindi, I thought. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm no expert on... I don't know. Please, all the Malayalis, please don't come after me if it's the wrong information. Please, I know what's going to happen here. We're just guessing. Same applies for me. Yes, please don't come after us. We love all languages, putting it out there. This is why I'm completely staying out of it because I know I don't know anything. So I'm just... That's smart. That's smart. Okay, to get to know you more outside of work, are there any other things that you enjoy doing outside of work? I've seen that you've picked up on tennis recently. How's that going for you? I'm no Serena Williams yet, but it's funny. I think the lockdown really challenged a lot of people to find new ways to fill your time. Before the pandemic, there was not a time that I was home for more than three hours at a time. I would be going from work, come home, eat, change, makeup, hair, out the door to an event, come back, sometimes change and off to event number two, or come home, edit, quickly eat dinner, off again to a social event, whatever it is. I was always on the go. I didn't really have time to even focus on dance or focus on the things that I enjoyed, like reading or whatever it is. The pandemic forced us all to take a look at what we really enjoy. And dance has always been something that I've enjoyed. Tennis, I realized, in the pandemic is a pretty great COVID sport because there's no face-to-face, -face, right? There's no face-to-face. -face. The maximum thing that you guys are touching at the same time is the tennis ball. So just like be mindful of not touching your face after that, right? Tennis kind of became like this sport, like, oh, we can play this during 
these times, this can work. When Chris opened up the tennis academy, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Let's jump on that train and take tennis lessons. And we actually just had a, a lesson today. It's just fun. I have no plans of going into like tournaments and stuff, but it's just fun to do. He said the pandemic really encouraged people because they just missed being outside, I think. And they're like, oh my God, I need to do stuff now and try different sports. Yeah. I think it was also, it's inspirational, right? To watch someone who you know is a real person like you and me and picking up something new. I think uh, that was quite inspirational as well for a lot of those who followed you. But here's the bit I'm really interested in. I hear you're a Man United fan. Yes, yes. Can we expect to see you hosting some Premier League-based shows anytime soon? I'm going to say something so controversial. This is a hot take. Football is the most boring sport Oh my God. I don't get it. It's not exciting for me. Jeff has been trying for years to get me into football. It's so boring. You sit there for 90 minutes and the score is nil-nil. What a waste. I can't get into it. But I will support Manchester United because Jeff supports Manchester United. So go Man United. They have some new signings this year. Is it Sancho? Three. Three of them. Sancho is one of them, yes. Sancho and all these other people. Yeah, let's go. Sancho, Heaton and Varan. So yeah, it's great to have you among the Man United fans. And uh, I was wondering, is how much of an influence does Jeff have on you with regards to your hobbies and sports that you've picked up? For example, we started playing a little bit of badminton in between. I've never played that in my life. And that was because his friends play it. So, okay, cool. I can try it. We encourage each other. So during, just before the pandemic, at the beginning of 2020, we signed up with our trainer to start personal training lessons and change up our lifestyle and really get into fitness. We only really worked out with our trainer in the gym maybe about four times before the pandemic started. The rest of the time, the whole year, we were working out from home. So I don't know if you guys have seen Jeff's transformation, but he lost a ton of weight and just completely changed his lifestyle and his eating habits and his just working out. And that was all during the pandemic. That was all home workouts with our trainer, Jason. It was all with that. It was literally all through the pandemic. But there were definitely times where he wanted to give up on that. Like, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. Who cares? We're never going to go back to a gym. Who knows? All those things. But because we do it together, we encourage each other. And there'll be days where I'm like, no, I'm going to eat that terrible bag of chips and do all this stuff. And be like, no, you can't because you've just worked out and you've done this. We encourage each other. So I think it's more of a balancing act, if that makes sense. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. This is the end of part one of our two-part conversation with Pretty. To hear the second part, tune in next week. See you then. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.